Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi. Last week, I started this topic of helping our children with sibling loss. I shared why the death of our child affects our other children so deeply, because often we are so consumed by our own grief, we can't see why or how those closest to us are also deeply affected. I also gave you some things that you can do to help your children process their grief, even within your own place of darkness. If you did not get a chance to hear it, I strongly recommend you start with that one before continuing listening today. It's right in front of this one. It is episode 146. I have to say I am really sorry about the abrupt cutoff last week. Because I decided right on the spot to do that, I kind of fumbled around with what I said, so the editing process made it even more abrupt than I wanted it to be. Some of you have let me know you like when the episodes are longer, and I also know that many of you like them shorter. And since I have had a couple of longer ones recently, as I was going along, I suddenly decided to turn the topic of sibling loss into two episodes. So to pick up where we left off, I had just shared with you that what I hear from parents the most is the pain of wanting their children to talk with them about the child that passed away and have conversations with their other children. But so often, their other children, they just don't want to talk about it. And the parents are very upset, and they don't understand why. I have had a chance to be in some large conference sessions where siblings sat in a panel up front to share with the parents how they dealt with their loss. Specifically in the panel, what I remember hearing them say are some needed to get away to figure out who they were without the influence of that sibling in their life anymore. They had to get away to find their new identity. Many of them felt a need to make new friends with people who did not know they had lost a sibling. And I know for us, we can't comprehend that because we want everybody to know we've lost a child. But they have a need to have friends who don't know that about them. And often they didn't want to and they wouldn't come home to the painful reminders of their loss. Some admittedly went off the deep end and got into things they should not have gotten into. But they eventually found their way back to their parents and their families and their relationships were restored. And I have personally found that to be true as well. In many parents, grief over the death of their child causes them to actually pull away from or become emotionally absent from their surviving children. And a lot of that is unintentional. We're just, all we can do is we're in barely survival mode, right? But I know and I've heard from some parents who actually pull away from their children intentionally because it's so painful that the void of the missing child is there when they see their other children. And that's a lot more rare. But for most of us, it's because the overwhelming pain and confusion 
just keeps us in that place of darkness and keeps us from being able to function. But either way, this can cause the surviving siblings to feel guilty for being happy or for needing their parents' help for anything. It can cause younger ones to take on adult responsibilities and feel a need to take care of their parents. They can feel they need to be perfect to avoid upsetting their parents further. They can become very worried about who will care for them if something happened to their parents. They can fear that their parents will never recover from their loss. Not only did they lose a sibling, but they lost their parents. And they can believe that their parents blame them for the sibling's death. And something similar to that, I think I shared this last week, but I was shocked when my daughter came to me and said that she thought I wished it was her who died instead of her sister. And I can't tell you how many siblings I've heard from now who have thought the same thing. My intention is not to lay a guilt trip on anyone, but it is important to realize that how we handle our grief will affect the bereavement process for our children and that we need to know how to help them, especially when it causes them to believe things that aren't true. And it's not just the young ones. My daughter was in her 20s when she came to me with that when her sister died. Outward symptoms of grief for children or teens of any age is that they may sleep or cry more than usual. They may regress and return to earlier behaviors, or they may develop new fears or problems in school or at work. They can complain about aches and pains. They may be angry and irritable, or they may become withdrawn and isolate themselves from family and friends. Sounds a lot like us, doesn't it? And it's important for us to see those things in our children as well. Let's take a few minutes here to talk about some of the things that can be going on behind the scenes that we might not realize and what we can do to help them. Our children can have survivor's guilt about being alive. Now, we can have that too. I should be the one gone. My child should be the one here. But for a sibling, the root of that can come from a different angle here. It's common for many siblings to feel guilty, and it's important to correct inaccurate thoughts and information. They really can think that they had something to do with the death of their sibling. We need to reassure our children that they're all different and unique, and that he or she is just as important and loved as the child who died. Pay attention to friends' or family members' comments comparing a surviving sibling to the child who died, or, you know, well, your sister was always this way, or, you know, just those insensitive kind of remarks that are said to us. Those kinds of things can be said to our children as well. So comfort your child and help others understand that some of the things that they say to our children can be hurtful. Our kids can have regrets and guilt about previous bad behavior. For example, they may think that they should have been nicer to or more patient with the sibling while he or she was alive. Surviving children who fought with the deceased siblings or even at times wished that he or she would disappear or die may believe that their own thoughts and feelings caused the death. So you need to reassure them that all brothers and sisters fight or disagree at times, and this is just a natural part of the sibling relationship. 
explain that all children feel angry or have unkind thoughts about family members from time to time, but that feelings or wishes cannot cause a death to happen. It may be helpful to explain what actually caused the sibling's death in a way that they can understand and maybe not bring fear to them as well. I know that can be hard, though. They can have ongoing connections with the deceased sibling in an unhealthy way, such as idealizing the deceased sibling or feeling inadequate when they compare themselves to the deceased sibling or trying to replace them by being just like him or her. All of a sudden, they start wanting to do everything that sibling did or wear those clothes or have their style or listen to their music. And it, it wasn't them before, but that's who they're trying to be now. So help these children to see and appreciate their own unique strengths and abilities and their special place within the family. You don't want them to become that child who's gone. You want them to stay them. You need them to stay who they are in their uniqueness and their specialness. They can feel helpless, hopeless, vulnerable, afraid, victimized. The death of a sibling can change children's perceptions of themselves and of the world. They become aware of their own mortality and the mortality of the people they love, which can lead to their being overly cautious and overly protective of their other siblings and even of their parents because they fear that something is going to happen to them. They will need help letting go of that fear in a gentle and loving way. Be aware that it is a process that may take quite a while. And I know a lot of us can relate to that because we don't want to let our other children out of our sight, right? And they feel the same way about their other siblings and us. Sometimes just uh, seeing them being adrift and obviously lonely or isolating themselves they may give up, not enjoy life, or in extreme cases, feel like they want to join the sibling and think about their own death. So acknowledge the surviving children's fear and sadness or whatever emotion they're displaying and talk to them about it without dismissing them or without saying, you shouldn't feel that way. Or I mean, just you need to validate those thoughts and fears. We need it, right? So do our children encourage children to return to their regular life-affirming activities. Playing and socializing with friends can increase their sense of accomplishment and give them social support, which they need. And be especially alert if your child becomes extremely withdrawn or isolated and seek professional help right away if they express thoughts about ending their own life. I know that's a scary, horrible thing, isn't it? especially if our children are, are, we can see them going in that direction. There needs to be an intervention because that goes beyond what we can deal with right now. I know it's a scary thing and I hate to say that, but I think we need to hear it so that we can help them if they're to that point. Our other children may feel like they want to change the past. They can be preoccupied with thoughts that they could have or should have prevented the death of their sibling. Once again, this is another familiar thing to us, isn't it? Our own children can feel the same way. They can blame themselves. Reassure them that the death was not their fault. And if on the rare chance that your child was involved in it in any way, they need to know that it was an accident. It's something that was not meant to happen. It was unplanned and it could not have been stopped. Explain that things often look different when we look back and think about what might have been. 
but that there was nothing they could have done at the time. And let children know that you do not blame them for their sibling's death and make sure that's the truth. On the rare occasion where something like this happened, I know it adds so many more layers, and I, and I would recommend some sort of help and counseling to help your family sort all of this out. Our children can be overly worried about physical symptoms. If the sibling's death was related to a particular illness or to physical pain and suffering, symptoms related to those conditions can now take on a new meaning for surviving siblings. For example, if a sibling's death was maybe due to a brain tumor, they may feel frightened or panicked when they have a headache. Children can also develop physical symptoms due to anxiety. For example, children who refuse to go to school or work and frequently get sick, they may be fearful of parents or other siblings dying. If your other children express concerns about physical symptoms, avoid talking about your own fears, but don't ignore their complaints. Show concern, and if need be, make an appointment with a trusted doctor who can objectively assess the situation. They can also experience a more intense reaction known as childhood traumatic grief. In childhood traumatic grief, children develop symptoms associated with the post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, which most of us have experienced ourselves with the death of our own child. And children may be more likely to experience traumatic grief if the death of their sibling was sudden or traumatic or if it occurred under terrifying circumstances. Maybe the child even witnessed or learned of some of the horrific details surrounding the death. And so some of the symptoms of PTSD will sound very familiar. They may be having nightmares about their sibling's death, or he or she can't stop thinking about how it happened, or they keep imagining their sibling's suffering. They may be constantly irritable or angry, jumpy, have poor concentration, developing new fears, things like that. So how do you know if you need to seek help or counseling for your child or your teen, or even try to steer your adult child towards getting some sort of help working through all of these things. Well, I have four things for you here. If grief reactions seem to continue without any relief, if they appear for the first time after an initial period of relative calm, they feel like they're doing quite well, and then all of a sudden all these things just start erupting, if the issues continue to get worse, and if they consistently interfere with your child's being with friends, going to school, or enjoying activities they used to enjoy. And I know there's a balance here, there's a fine line, because I've talked about how sometimes those activities can be difficult, they don't want to do them because the sibling was involved, and you know, you have to put those things into consideration. But if your child is just isolating themselves and they're just refusing to go to school, refusing to be with friends. Children tend to spring back quicker than adults do, but they also a lot of times need help because their, their brains aren't ready to deal with all of this and figure all of it out. Let me just say, if you are fearful, causing you to smother your children to protect them, because like I said, many of us now have to fight the constant fear of losing another child, it's going to definitely affect them. 
I highly recommend you release them from that burden. First, based on their age, explain to them why you've been behaving this way and apologize to them and then allow God to remove that fear. Fear brings torment and that's not from God. Ask him to give you a deep revelation of his love for you, which may seem to contradict the loss of your child. I understand that. But you need to be washed in the Father's love so that you are not walking in your own torments and fears that are being passed on to your children. It's important to have an active support network as well as safe places to express your grief because when you manage your own grief effectively, it eases the burden felt by the surviving children. It offers them a positive role model for coping. It creates a more supportive environment for them to express their own grief, which is what we want. I also feel it's very important to remind you to pray for your children. I cannot stress that enough. Even if you felt like your prayers for the child who died were not answered, pray for your relationship with your children. Pray for them to be set free from the harmful long-term effects of grief. Pray that they will know the truth and it will set them free. Ask God to show you how to pray for your children and then pray those things, remembering that often younger children cannot put into words what they are thinking and feeling, and older children may not want to express those things to you. Just like bereaved parents, bereaved siblings may not always look like they're grieving, but the wounds within them run very deep. Most of them eventually learn how to find or create what is sometimes called a new normal for themselves. And just like us, they don't forget or move on or have closure, but rather they honor and remember and incorporate their deceased siblings into their lives in new ways and continue those bonds. I hope this has been helpful to you. Speaking of ways to honor our children who are no longer here, we have a special and unique opportunity for you to do this. I have shared this in the last couple weeks and I'll share it one last time here. Since it has to do with hearts and this is the month for Valentine's Day, we thought it would be a good time to share this with our listeners. As most of you know, Dave and I sold our house four years ago and we purchased a motorhome that we lovingly call the Hopemobile to be free to travel the nation for our ministry to grieving parents. We have over 90 in loving memory hearts on the outside of our house on wheels and we would be honored to add your son or daughter. There are seven colors to choose from and the name of your child and where they were from goes inside the heart. We video call you and walk you around the Hopemobile and put the heart on while you're watching where you want it to be placed. Now, this is a $100 sponsorship, which helps us with a tank of gas since our house gets six miles to the gallon, and it is a tax-deductible donation. If you would like to see what the hearts look like or want to see the Hope Mobile or want to have a heart placed, just go to gpshope.org slash heart decal, or you can go to the website gpshope.org, go to the donation tab and click on sponsor a heart decal. And I will also have a link for this in the show notes for you to click on. I also want to remind you 
that we still have one room left at our weekend getaway retreat for bereaved parents coming up next month in Georgia. This is a time where you can bring your child with you, sharing him or her with others who understand and want to hear about him or her. It's a safe place because you don't have to wear an emotional mask and can just be whoever or whatever you need to be for a few days with others who get it. Dave and I teach a few sessions throughout the weekend. On Saturday afternoon, we split the men and women up. Dave takes the men somewhere to do something men enjoy doing, and we women hang out and do something fun together. There's plenty of time to relax and share conversations with others who are on the same journey, and I really hope you check it out. If Georgia in March doesn't work for you, check out the one in Iowa in August, or we have a retreat just for moms coming up this April in Ohio. To find out more about any of these, go to gpshope.org retreat, and there will also be a link for this in the show notes. As we go into the birthday segment, for those of you who have been listening for a while, I want to remind you that the so-called birthday week used to start on a Tuesday when the podcast comes out, and I would go from Tuesday to Monday. But at the beginning of the year, I switched it to a normal week just to make it easier on everyone, Sunday through Saturday. So I now share our children the literal week of his or her birthday. With that, let's go ahead and share our birthdays this week. Jason Zimdars was born on February 20th and is forever 35. William Burke was born on February 20th and is forever 29. Sean Kelly was born on February 22nd and is forever 44. Dennis Santos was born on February 23rd and is forever 31. Shannon Johnson was born on February 23rd and is forever 47. Nolan Sanders was born on February 24th and is forever 28. The birthdays of our children will always be important to us and we celebrate with their families the day these children came into the world. If you would like to have your son or daughter's birthday shared with our listeners, I would love to do that. Just go to gpshope.org birthdays. They'll be added to the list and announce the week of his or her birthday, and we will send you a reminder email of that. As I wrap this up, like I said last week and at the beginning of today's episode, if you're interested, you can get almost word for word what I shared in these last two podcast episodes as a free downloadable ebook. Just go to gpshope.org slash sibling ebook and we'll be happy to send that to you. Helping our children deal with their own grief of losing their brother or sister can be very difficult. It's so hard to see them hurting and to see some of the choices they make as they navigate their way through the grief and figure out who they are now. And we're in so much pain ourselves, sometimes we're unaware or we're unable to be there for them. This can be such a long process. I remember telling God, I just wanted the crushing pain to end. And it did, eventually. The pain of missing my daughter, Becca, is still with me. It always will be. But the pain that kept me from being able to function and kept me from wanting to even live, 
did eventually subside, I have learned how to live a meaningful and fulfilling life around the painful loss of my daughter. You can too, and so can your other children. So hold on, pain eases, there is hope.